0: to read Psalm 148. If you don't have a Bible, you can just raise your hand and someone can bring you one if you'd like. All right. Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord For he commanded, and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all people. Princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of his
1: Leo. everybody get the theme? <laughs> Praise
0: the <Lord>.
1: That's right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But I want to talk about monopoly for a second. You guys like monopoly? It's either really fun or really frustrating and sometimes it's both of those things, right? Because the goal of monopoly is not to own part of the board, it's to own all of it. And along the way you may make a few enemies uh, if you really want if you really want to win it but just a bit of a side note if you ask my family should Tory be a pastor probably the first thing they're gonna say is do you know that when he was seven years old he cheated at Monopoly <laughs> and I'd like to defend myself here before you hear that and admit that I did cheat a few times. I was seven years old, and my 500 stack would sometimes go from one to eight before anyone landed on me, and I would kind of stealthily take those 500s. So I confess of that openly, and they can stop using that against me. But why do I I bring up monopoly? I bring up monopoly because the truth is, God has a monopoly. He doesn't own parts of creation. He owns all of it. God has a monopoly over all creation. If you're talking in monopoly terms, he owns the board, he owns all the property, he owns the hotels and the chance cards, though that doesn't, there's no such thing as chance in life. He owns the community chess cards, the money, the dice, the player pieces. I'm the hat, by the way, everyone's got their piece. (laughs) He owns the box, he owns all of it. God has a monopoly over all creation and praise is due to the name of the Lord from all creation. So, a little bit of background. This is our last Psalm, Psalm 148, in our Summer in the Psalms series, which does make me a little sad. Fall is my favorite season, but I want summer to go by slowly. It's our last of our Summer in the Psalms series. And just to give you a heads up, next Sunday we're gonna have our last church planting Sunday focus. We're going to, the goal is to do three of those a year. This is the last one for this year where I'm going to remind us why and who we are as a church planting church and some of the prayer requests we have from some of the churches that we're helping to support to start and also talk a little bit missionally ourselves to not lose focus of um, being missionaries where we are here and now. And so that's next Sunday and then the Sunday after that will be the beginning of our next Series, a mini-series, and we're gonna go through the Book of Ruth. We're gonna take 10, 10 Sundays to go through the Book of Ruth. I wanted to, to let you know we got all of our tribe leaders this book called A Loving Life by Paul Miller, which is my favorite book by far on about the Book of Ruth, and I would encourage you, uh, if, you're, if you're interested at all, to check out that book. It's gonna be helpful. I think, as we go through Ruth. So that's A Loving Life by Paul Miller. But that's two weeks from now, we'll be, in, we'll be in Ruth, and that'll be the first time you see Pastor Rob back. I think it would be funny if everyone had a list of maybe five things that he not real or not, but saying, like, here are things I wanna talk about. So he just completely overwhelmed on his first day back. Uh, that's in two weeks. But today, let's talk about today. It's our last song, and I think it's a fitting one to look at the conclusion of the Psalter. The conclusion is in Psalms 146 to 150. We looked at earlier in the summer, we looked at the introduction in Psalm one and two, and the introduction of Psalms is all about striving to follow God, striving to follow his word as we await for that coming king, for the Messiah, and then we looked at some Psalms along the way, and now we're ending with one of the final Psalms, the concluding Psalm, it's a praise Psalm. Psalms 146 to 150 all begin and end with saying hallelujah, hallelujah, which means praise the Lord, which we all do, whether we're a crying baby or anybody else, um, they all end with praise the Lord. And what's, w- one thing that's teaching us is that a life of prayer, which is what the Psalms are about, they're, they're praying, talking to the Lord, the a life of that ends in praise. See that? There's a story being weaved throughout the Psalms as well. And one of the lessons we learned is that a life of prayer ends in praise. We may have some regrets in our lives of some time that was wasted on fill in the blank, but I'll tell you something we won't regret putting our time into, and that's prayer. Prayers are forever, and prayers end in pra- in praise. You know, we often need encouragement, reminders, new ideas of how to go about um, consistently praying it's what Jesus knew that there's a parable in Luke 18 that starts off by saying something to the effect of so he taught them a parable concerning the fact of always to, always being praying like being prayerful and and not losing heart because um, it can be a challenge sometimes it's easy sometimes it's hard but again I'm going to say it a life of prayer ends in praise we learn that in the Psalms as well So before we jump into Psalm 148 that Leo read for us, I want to read to you a quote about that psalm. It's written in The Treasury of David, a commentary on the psalms, and here's what it says about Psalm 148. So you can go back and have that in front of you if you want, or be thinking about the verses that were read. Here's what he says about it. The psalm is one and indivisible. It seems almost impossible to expound it in detail, for a living poem is not to be dissected verse by verse. It is a song of nature and of grace. As a flash of lightning flames through space and enwraps both heaven and earth into one vestment of glory, so does the adoration of the Lord in this song light up all the universe and cause it to glow with a radiance of praise. The song begins in the heavens, sweeps downward to sea creatures and all deeps, and then ascends again until the people near unto Jehovah take up the strain. For its exposition, the chief requisite is a heart on fire, with reverent love to the Lord over all, who is to be blessed forever. Isn't that beautiful? Notice he says in there, this is a psalm that you can't really divide it. It's one living, poetic, beautiful psalm. But here's what I have to do, because I don't know else how to preach it, other than dividing it up and talking about it. So I hear what he's saying, the whole the, the beautiful poetic description of the, the Lord of glory, the Lord who deserves praise over all heaven and earth. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna break it up a little bit. Here's how I'm gonna do it. Here's the main idea for Psalm 148. Let all of creation praise the name of the Lord. That's what I see in this song. Let all of creation praise the name of the Lord. And then here's how it seems to be broken up in the psalm. First, let the realm of heaven praise the name of the Lord. We see that in the first six verses. And then let the realm of earth praise the name of the Lord. And we see that in verses 7 through 14. So that's the direction. That's the way we're dividing it today. Let let all of creation praise the name of the Lord. First, let the realm of heaven praise the name of the Lord. And then let the realm of earth praise the name of the Lord. I'm repeating it again because some of you, I know I talk, I can go kind of fast. And I want to let our note takers uh, get that down. So that's where we're going. First... Let the realm of heaven praise the name of the Lord. In the first six verses, we see the created beings of heaven called to praise the Lord. Then the created elements of heaven called to praise the Lord. And then the cause of all of heaven praising the name of the Lord. And we see it broken up that way. So the first one, let the created beings of heaven praise the name of the Lord. Verses one to two, here's what it says. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights, praise him all his angels, praise him all his hosts. The created beings of heaven are called to praise the Lord. Now I want to do something real quick. In Genesis 1, we're talking about heaven first, but all heaven praise the name of the Lord. In Genesis 1, it said God created the what and the what? The heavens and the earth. So We can take from that, that if you think of creation, it can be divided into these two different realms, earth and heaven. He created heaven and earth. There's another detail we can take as we look through scripture, is that the heavens seem to be divided into three separate categories. So, part of the place where we get this is from 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul is describing a person who we know to be himself who was caught up into the third heaven. There's no example of a fourth heaven, so we're gonna stop right there. The third heaven. So here's the way, as I was reading, that many have divided heaven. The word heaven literally means sky, the heavens. The Lord created the heavens, which means sky and the earth. But there seem to be these three categories of what it means when the Bible talks about heaven. The first one could be simply, you look up into the, into the sky and what you see. That's level one, if you will, of heavens with the sky. Place around the earth. And then the second would be the, entire, the entirety of the cosmos, that your eye can't, that, that you can see some of it, and, and there's a ton that we can't, just all of the entire universe could be described as the second heaven. And then the third heaven is referred to the place where the angelic hosts and where God dwells, where the heavenly temple of the Lord is, where the presence of God is. And I'm gonna stop there a second to say, You know, Solomon will say in 1 Kings 8, something to the effect of not even the heavens of heavens, the highest heavens, can contain you. It's not that God is only in heaven and we're here. God is everywhere. He's transcendent. We know this is what what he's revealed to us. He's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. And yet the third heaven has been described as the dwelling place of God and his angelic hosts. So we see in these three verses, first of all, In verse one, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise Him in the heights. There's no place too high to praise His name. Then it says, praise Him all as angels, praise Him all as hosts. There is no being too high to praise His name. Can we talk just for a minute about angels? And the goal here is not to do a a little case study on what an angel is, but to learn a little bit talk a little bit about how the scripture defines and describes angels, to know that if those beings are worshiping God, what do you think we should be doing? So a little bit about angels. So here's, here's my definition for an angel, for angels, plural. It's a race of spiritual beings of a nature exalted above mankind and yet infinitely lower than God a race of spiritual beings of a nature exalted above mankind and infinitely lower than God. They are described as living intelligences. The word angel means messenger, messengers of God, by his appointment. And scripture describes how they're sent out to assist and to defend, to encourage God's people. We see examples of angels encouraging Jesus in his journey on earth. Hebrews describe angels as ministering spirits that are sent out in service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. A little bit about the appearance of angels. We can't can't go too far in describing what they look like because he doesn't tell us all about that. But here are a few examples. And first of all, we like to categorize angels into one category when scripture describes multiple types of angels seraphim cherubim archangel michael some examples so um, as far as appearance some are described with wings like the seraphim six wings isaiah 6. some are described as in hebrews as ministering spirits and yet there are examples in scripture of angels that have taken on Maybe, maybe for a briefer period of time, don't know for sure, but human bodies. It says in Hebrews, you may unknowingly be entertaining an angel as you are being hospitable to those, um, to people. So, so, a little bit about appearance. How about morality? For those who have not fallen, and it's an entire separate category, the fallen angels are not called here to praise the name of the Lord. But those who are uh, not fallen are perfect in morality. They're not stained by sin. They haven't um, been exposed to. They have not, way to say it, um, been part of fallen mankind. Emotions. What about the emotions of angels? Do they have them? The answer is yes. In Job 38, it describes how the angels rejoice over God's creation. In Luke 15, it says they rejoice when just one one sinner... Repents. Okay, so just some facts about them: living intelligence it's sent by God to assist the people of God on Earth. Perfect in character, certainly have emotions. Are powerful. There's an example of one angel that wiped out 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. There's an example, multiple examples in Revelation, where it's angels that God calls to begin or initiate some of the plagues that will fall on the earth, both supernatural and natural tasks in those ways, they're powerful. On top of that, there are a plethora of them, it starts with the letter P. Jesus said that he could have called a legion of angels, and the lowest number I saw for that was 72,000. He could have called them at once. The Bible describes multitudes of these angelic beings, of these angels, First Kings 22 and other, pra- and other places. A multitude of them all of which are praising the Lord all of which are called to continue to praise his name let them lead the song the psalmist is saying he starts with them even them and so the question of if they far more powerful far more majestic if you will higher than humankind are praising the Lord what should we be doing and here's what Spurgeon says. He says, whether you, talking to the angels, he says, whether you bow before him or fly on his errands or desire to look into his covenant, referring to 1 Peter 1, or behold his son, cease not, you messengers of Jehovah, to sound forth his praise while you move at his bidding. Let the angelic beings, let the created beings of heaven praise the name of the Lord. We see that in verses 1 to 2. And then he moves on to talk about the created elements of heaven, praising the name of the Lord. Verses three to four says, praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. So he moves from the personal beings of the heavens to now the created elements of the heavens. And he calls them to praise the Lord as well. This curious little phrase here, the waters above the heavens. I thought, what does that mean? I don't know, so I'm gonna read you a quote. And neither does this person. This version says, there's something of mystery about these supposed reservoirs of water, but let them be what they may, and as they may, they will give glory to the Lord our God. Let the most unknown and perplexing phenomena take up their parts in the universal praise. I think a bit of a side note here to say we've learned A lot, right? Over the last hundred years, about the universe and about life and about all of that. But there is a lot that we don't know. (laughs) Constantly learn. Let them praise the name of the Lord. Then it says, "Let the sun, moon, and stars praise the name of the Lord." Question: Did the sun and the moon and the stars do they praise God? Have you ever been walking, going for a walk one day, and out of nowhere you hear the sun kind of chirp out like "Hallelujah." (laughs) Ever heard that? ever heard that or the moon just kind of shout out praise god (laughs) i haven't but are they are the sun and the moon and the stars praising their maker yeah they are that's right as the sun and all other suns in the universe burn and give light to the day as god told them to they're praising the lord As the moon reflects the light of the sun at night, gives light at night, they are obeying what God has created them to do. As the stars, all of which are named by God himself, show forth his beauty and his might and his power and his wisdom, they are praising the name of the Lord. And I'm cutting into that third part here, which is the cause of heaven, praising the name of the Lord, and we see it in verses 5 through 6. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it will not pass away. The creation in the heavens, the created beings, the created elements, are declaring the glory of God, the wisdom of God, his power, his beauty, all of it. Do you often check when you have an item that you purchased, the tag that says made in whatever country? You often check that, just out of curiosity. Do you know that if you took the Hubble telescope and you zoomed in really, really close on Mars, you see this little tag on the bottom, and it says, made by God. It doesn't say that, but it was. You won't see that on on magnetic fields, but they were, or on cosmic dust, or black holes, or the Milky Way, or other galaxies, but all of them, check the tag, made by the Lord. He made them. He made all of the awe-inspiring spiritual beings that we read about in scripture, the ones that if we were to encounter them like John did in Revelation 1, we would be tempted to worship them. And yet, God made all of them. And even the, the highest of the hierarchy that we can try to sort out, Michael the archangel, his name literally means, who is like God? Question mark. They praise the Lord. He made it. Let the heavens, the spiritual beings of heaven, and the created elements of heaven, what we know about it and the mystery of it all, let them praise the name of the Lord. Now let's get a little bit closer to home. In verses 7 through 14. Let the realm of earth praise the name of of the Lord and when we go through verses 7 through 14 we see that the created creatures and elements of the earth are called to praise his name the created beings of earth are called to praise his name and then we get to the cause of earth praising the name of the Lord so the created creatures and elements of the earth called to praise the Lord are in verses 7 through 10 praise the Lord from the earth you great sea creatures in all deeps fire and hail snow and mist stormy wind fulfilling his word Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. Let the created creatures and elements of the earth praise the name of the Lord. It started with the song of heaven praising the name of the Lord, and now it goes down to our abode. The earth praising the name of the Lord and all that is in it. So I'm going to go through this quick. Verse 7, you great sea creatures and all deeps. Let him praise the name of the Lord. What are some examples of some great sea creatures? I think I heard Kraken. And I'm going with it. Yep. Kraken. What else? Walruses. Sharks. I knew I would hear that one. Jellyfish. Somebody's favorite over there. Let them all. Jellyfish, the sharks, the Krakens, if they exist. Maybe there's just one. I don't know. Leviathan, very interesting, Let's we'll talk about that in Job sometime. Let all great sea creatures, the ones we know about and the ones we don't, let them praise the name of the Lord. Verse eight, fire and hail, snow and mist, talking about the burning and the freezing elements of nature, they combine to praise the name of the Lord. Second part of verse eight, stormy wind fulfilling his word. I got a good quote for you on this one. Though, the, though rushing with incalculable, incalculable fury, The stormy wind is still under his law and moves in order to carry out the designs of God. It is a grand orchestra which contains such wind instruments as these. I love that line. He's a great leader who can keep all these musicians in concert and direct both time and tune. Stormy wind fulfilling his words. Verse nine, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, all diverse landscape every forest, every tree that's producing O2 and giving shade and giving fruit, all of it, let it praise the name of the Lord. Beasts and all cattle, verse 10, animals fierce and tame, wild and domestic, let all of them, let all puppies named Trousers, praise the name of the Lord. And then verse 10. Beasts and all cattle. I just said that. Let him praise the name of the Lord, okay. So, let all the created creatures and the elements of the earth praise the name of the Lord, the realm of the earth. But then he goes from the created creatures and elements to the created beings of the earth, that includes, that's us, in verses 11 through 12. Here's what it says. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth. So it starts off by saying in verse 11, those with authority, don't forget the one who is all authority. Any and all leaders are called to praise the chief and the judge of all. Then verse 12, young men and maidens together, old men and children, young and old. That covers, that covers everybody, doesn't it? <laughs> From the youngest baby to the most elder among us, Cramming for finals at the end, and all of us in between, who don't know how many days we're given, let us praise the name of the Lord. If we're hearing it, this is a call to us. And just a reminder, we're already, all of us, every person made in God's image, are created to praise. We're created to praise Him. We're already praising something, we're already praising someone, if it's ourself or somebody else, our hobby, our job, whatever it is, we're all praising, and He's directing our attention to the what should be the object of our praise. Praise Him and praise Him only. Let's be a church that praises Him. Yes, on Sundays. I thought about the psalm that says, "Enter into His gates with thanksgiving in your heart." Like even before you get here, be praising the Lord. When you get here and you and you have you fellowship with people that you know and that you don't, and new people, and, and anyone. That's praise, let it be out of praise for the Lord. And when you hear the call to worship, already be praising. When you hear the songs and sing the songs to the Lord, let it be out of praise for our Lord, for the name of the Lord. As you hear and, and participate in the prayers, let it be a praise and a worship to our Lord. And when we give, When we give our tithes our offerings let it be out of worship for the lord and when you hear the announcements let it be out of praise and worship for the future direction and and opportunities we have for the church and when we have communion and we celebrate what christ has done for us let it be out of a heart of worship and of praise for the name of the lord on sundays let's praise the lord but what am i going to say next not just sundays
0: every day
1: every day Every single day the Lord gives to us, in everything that we do, may we be a people that do it out of praise for the Lord. In everything. In the food that we make. In the food that we eat. In the clothes that we wear. In the jobs that we have. In the resources that the Lord has allowed us to have. With the gifts and the talents, with the people in our life, let's praise the Lord. For the ones that enrich our life, praise the Lord. For the ones that make our lives a bit more difficult, praise the Lord. (laughs) For them too. In the ways that God grows us and changes us and makes us more like him, praise the Lord. Today, every day, in all that we do, and all that we say, praise the name of the Lord the created creatures and elements of the earth, the created beings of the earth, let them all praise the name of the Lord. And we see the reason again in verses 13 to 14, he says, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He's raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him, praise the Lord. I want to go back to that line where it says, his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above heaven and earth. His name alone. He is greater than heaven and earth and all that he made in both of those realms, infinitely greater than heaven and earth and all that is in it. His name alone is exalted and worthy of our praise. So, as it said in verse 11, yes, let everyone praise the name of the Lord. But then he gets even more specific here in verse 14. Let his people, let his saints, let those who are near to him praise his name. How are we near to him? We're near to him in relation. If we have confessed our sins and believe in Christ, we are children of God. We are the bride of Christ, we're near to him. So let us praise his name. We're near to him in affection with an everlasting love that he has offered and given to us freely. We're near to him in union, we're members of his body, the body of Christ, the church. We're near in fellowship with the opportunity to talk to him, to walk with him all of our days. And soon, we will be near to him in locality. He is prepared. A place he's gonna come back and show us our true eternal home with him and with his people so let's praise his name then he goes on in verse 14 here's another reason for he has lifted up a horn for his people here's a climactic ending of this song of praise of why heaven and earth are called to praise the name of the Lord. I got this picture from the Bible Project. They have some, some really great resources, videos summing up books of the Bible and themes and can draw infinitely better than I ever could. And so, picture of a horn here. What is he saying? He's lifted up a horn for his people. What are these climactic words at the end? The horn is an image of victory. The image is supposed to be of, a, of an animal triumphing over those who would attack it bringing victory over oppression which is how that the word horn is used throughout scripture time and time again referring to victory over one's enemies and over oppression so who does he say has that victory he says god's people do those who are near to him what is the victory that he's speaking of well just zooming in on Psalm 148, you may not see it, but it's the same victory from Genesis 1 through Revelation and throughout the Psalms, and you remember the introduction of it, of following God as you await for the King, as you await for the Messiah that would rule, that would defeat, triumph over all nations, who has defeated our true enemy, sin, which leads to death for all of us. He brought the victory. He brings it and gives it to his people, those who trust in Christ. So it makes sense for us to praise, especially those who know him, who are near to him, to praise the name of the Lord. Yeah, all of creation, heaven and earth, all that's in it. But let we, let us be the people who praise his name who have been brought back to the Lord because Christ purchased our freedom. If you notice through the psalm, it says the word all 10 times. All, 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 all. All in heaven, all in earth. And all of that praise is directed to one, to God. The one who has a monopoly over all creation, heaven and earth. The scripture says that one day everyone In heaven, all in heaven, all in the earth, and all under the earth, we'll praise his name. We'll bow to the king. Let us praise the name of the Lord. So, we're about to take communion, and before you lose me, as, as the band comes up, think specifically today as we take communion, how God reconnects heaven and earth. How did he do it? We see it in Genesis one, where those angelic beings, some of which that we've read about, and the manifest presence of God is dwelling with human beings. And that was lost in Genesis three because of sin, because of disobedience, because of not trusting and praising and worshiping God above all else. How is he going to reconnect that? How is he going to have earth and heaven overlap once again. And the answer is the, cre- the, the creator somehow became part of his own creation. Became lower than the angels like us. Jesus, the one whom angels worship, who the seraphim cover their eyes to not have too much of the glory of God overwhelm them even in heaven, came down became one of us, did what we couldn't do, lived entirely a life of worship and of praise to the only one who deserves it, to God, died in our place, took our sins on himself, defeated them, victory over the oppression that is over all of of humankind, and was raised again in victory and in triumph so that one day unlike the seraphim that have to cover their eyes those who have given their life to Christ are going to be able to behold the face of God unhindered
0: it's amazing
1: it's because of Jesus that we have hope it's because of Jesus that we have so very many reasons to praise the name of the Lord let's pray father I don't know where every individual where each of us where we are in life right now as far as what we're praising what we're worshiping who or what we're looking to to save us we all are Lord and I pray that today this week this month Lord you speak to us individually in ways Lord, you know each of us so much better than we know ourselves. And God, would you speak to us what we need to hear to turn our affection, our heart, our worship, away from all that is not you. To the name above all names, to you alone who is exalted. To praise your name. To know you more. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone, anyone, Lord, that wants to talk more about that, that they would come talk to me or anyone up here, just want to get connected, Lord, and work through that. Lord, help them do that. Help us be a place that's welcoming, That's here for each other. That points to you, Jesus. The name above all names. Amen.